Welcome to WBOA Courtside, an educational discussion into basketball officiating. We'll cover a wide variety of topics, from breaking down rules, discussing officiating philosophies, and interviewing top-level officials and administrators. Whether you are new to basketball officiating, an experienced veteran, a coach, or basketball fan, WBOA Courtside provides unique insights and perspectives into the world of basketball officiating. WBOA Courtside is produced by the Wisconsin Basketball Officials Association, an organization focused on the education, training, and development of officials in Wisconsin. You can access all our podcasts, educational materials, and how to become a basketball official at WISBOA.net. All opinions expressed on today's podcast doesn't reflect the opinions of the Wisconsin Basketball Officials Association or its members. Now it's time for WBOA Courtside. And here we go, WBOA Courtside. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Lance Lusenegger, joined by Justin Marion. And today, our special guests. He was one of just 10 officials to be named to the NCAA Men's Division I Final Four this past April. He's from Milwaukee. He's a high-level Division I men's basketball official. And we're so happy to have him on the program today. Joining us now on WBOA Courtside, it is Paul Sells. Paul, thank you so much for the time. Yeah, well, first off, uh, Lance and Justin, thanks for having me. Um, real pleasure to be with you guys and an honor that you'd even ask. Uh, happy to spend a little time with you. Um, we've moved back to Wisconsin from uh, a few different spots uh, over the last 12 years. We moved back in May and Got a new house and did all the things that come with that and moved. And Well, welcome back to Wisconsin. Good to have you back in the state. Good to be back. How did your officiating career begin? Where did it all start? Was it in high school? Was it after high school? When did you get the itch to be in a basketball official? Yeah, it was a kind of a random encounter. My senior year of high school, I went to Milwaukee Pius, played basketball at Pius. And um, one of the officials that, you know, I had known from the time, his name was Jack Fleming, a name that I think most of you are familiar with, who are probably in the association uh, uh, as a as a coordinator now uh, and still official. But uh, he, uh, he had mentioned to me, you know, I had asked him some questions about officiating here and there. And he had mentioned to me that, you know, it might be something that would be great uh, to get involved with as I went off to school. I, I went to the University of Wisconsin in Madison. And so uh, that year, uh, my senior year in high school, um, you know, Jack sort of uh, kind of got me started a little bit when I could and um, and uh, into that summer as well. You know, it didn't take long uh, from working a few games that like most of us uh, who get involved in this and stay in it, you get hooked pretty quick. And so um, Jack was sort of the catalyst for that. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if he feels grateful for uh, for that, but I am grateful that he was the catalyst. So uh, yeah, he he sort of uh, got me rolling and and it was uh, it was off to the races then. So we're talking what, this is two man back in what the nineties, right? Is this where we're talking yeah. like late nineties, you're starting uh, your 94. career. Yeah. 94 oh. would have been the year. Um, and so that was my first year registered, 1994. Uh, so, yeah, it uh, seems like yesterday at times, but feels like an eternity at others. So, <laughs> but I think that's uh, evidenced by my gray hair. <laughs> it was probably a lot longer ago than I remember. So you get into it as you're a college student. Did you fall in love with it right away? When did you think you can make a career out of this? 
I really did enjoy it right from the start. Um, you know, it was a great way, you know, I knew my playing days were done. Um, and, and certainly wasn't going <laughs> to continue in that realm. And it was about whether I wanted to coach or whether I wanted to, you know, uh, uh, do something else. And this became a really great way to stay involved in officiating. And I, I quickly really enjoyed the challenge of it. Um, you know, and as I went to school at Wisconsin, it was a great part-time gig. Uh, I mean, you know, I had friends who were working at the cafeteria or, you know, the library or whatever. Uh, and, you know, I was going to Edgewood High School to work the freshman JV game on a Tuesday where they paid cash at the time. And, uh, you know, you'd have to wait till enough people got in the gym so they could pay in the, out of the till. But um, it was a pretty good gig, uh, you know, as a high school or excuse me, as a college freshman, you know, to to be able to go do something that frankly didn't feel much like work uh, compared to what the others were doing. So it was, uh, it was, I was hooked as to your question about when I figured out it was a career, it certainly never um, when I started that I think it would be something that I would do uh, as a career, uh, nor did I think it would be something I would do at uh, this level. Honestly, it was just the way to be around basketball and, uh, and it, and it did that. I mean, it, it really did. And so, uh, that was certainly never, you know, I didn't walk in the door at, uh, Edgewood high school on, you know, in November of 95 going, I'm here for a little while, but I think I'll be, you know, passing through here. I kind of thought, boy, this is awesome. They're going to give me, I think I made 25 for the freshman game and maybe 30 or 28, maybe for the JV game. And, uh, you know, I thought, boy, I'm walking out of here with, you know, darn near $60 in my pocket. And I'm, I'm rolling pretty heavy as an 18 year old in 1994. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was fun. We've been told early on that even as you started making your way into the varsity level, that you had the it factor. Um, and obviously a very successful high school career before you transitioned into D3, D2 and on to D1. You know, can this be learned or taught? And what what would you quantify as the it factor? Um, boy, I mean, it's nice to hear that someone thought that. I don't, I don't know if I did. Um, you know, I think there's something to be said about um, you know when you when you see someone who's working a game and or a camp or whatever. I, I think there are certain people that are maybe you know wired in a way that um, certainly makes them you know maybe a little bit more likely you know, to succeed in it at whatever that means. Um, you know, so, and, and I think that's what we describe as the it factor, you know, like you see someone and you go, boy, that, that guy or that gal, she, you know, they can work, you know, I, I think they get the sky's the limit and it's hard because it's sort of an intangible. And I, I really don't like to use it a lot when I teach or I'm at camp because, you know, you don't want to say to somebody, Hey, you know, I think you don't, you just don't have it. Well, I don't know what that is. So speaking of intangibles, I think it's hard, but I I think it gives probably some officials, whatever that it is, that, that, you know, inane wired part of you that you just happen to have for it. Um, I think it probably gives you a leg up maybe, uh, but I don't think it's the end all be all. I've seen, you know, I've seen lots of officials who, when I saw or worked with them in the beginning, they maybe weren't it wasn't second nature to them and over time you know they really became great officials uh and work maybe they had to work a little harder at their craft it's probably not unlike any sport right like you know some players are gifted beyond belief and they're just are they have a knack for the ball or the shot or or whatever we've seen plenty of players who work their way into that too and so i i think it's pretty similar i i think there's some parallels there um yeah there are people who maybe have um, you know, some kind of DNA wiring to make them kind of advanced 
out of the gate a little bit quicker. But I, I don't think that it's the case. I don't think that's the story that's written about every official, um, you know, that I work with or that I've seen. I've seen lots of different paths and some of them I, I remember being at camp with, you know, 20 years ago going, oh boy, that guy, not very good. And now I referee with him, you know what I mean? And he's really good. So, uh, I mean, I just think it's about, you know, kind of what you've been dealt and, and that it factor, I think, is what you've been dealt, but not maybe the hand you have to play, if that makes sense. It is WBOA courtside right now, joined by special guest Paul Sells, NCAA Division One men's basketball official from Milwaukee. Go to UW-Madison, you start getting your feet wet, doing some JV freshman games, eventually doing varsity, I assume, shortly after. How did the college game, how did that road path to college get there? Was it a hard road? Was it going to many camps? How did that all come together for you? It started, you know, probably in the like 97, maybe, or 98, somewhere in there. I went to camp. Steve Olson, another Division One official from Wisconsin, who now lives in Georgia, retired. But at that time, he was the coordinator in the what was the Lake Michigan, which is now the NAC in the Midwest. And uh, he had a camp at Platteville, and I started to go there. And that's kind of where I started to learn that maybe there was this Division three, you know, college basketball thing out there. And, um, you know, I started to work the first college games, I guess you would say, were probably in that 98, 99 time. And that's like junior college games. Uh, Madison Area Technical College, they assigned all their own games at that time. Um, and so I worked, you know, some games uh, there and um, and maybe a handful starting out in the Midwest and, and the Lake Michigan, you know, and those were, you know, a, a few. Uh, so probably around 98, 99. Uh, somewhere in there and I continued to work and you know there for a while and then um, in 2000 I want to say three uh, uh, is when I got in the WIC which is the state league which you know uh, is is really good basketball obviously uh, but it's also the same year I got hired in division one so between that 98 and 2003 time I was uh, you know, I was going to a lot of camps um, across the Midwest, really. Um, uh, a guy by the name of Eric Harmon, um, he, he was the coordinator in the Mid-American and the Mid-Con, which is now the Summit League. Um, he ran a bunch of camps, and I would I went to those. Um, in, in all seriousness, I really didn't wasn't trying to get hired. I, I just was looking to go somewhere and learn, uh, you know, where I could – because we didn't have a lot of camps here in the state. Steve Olson had the one. And then when he moved, that stopped. And so they really kind of had to go somewhere. And so I started to go out of state, Indiana, Ohio, those kind of places just to, you know, see if I could get a little better, maybe get, get hired in the WIC or, you know, do something uh, to, to, to get a little better. So, um, yeah, it, it was, you know, slow, slow goings uh, like anybody else's. But, um, you know, it, it all kind of started to happen, uh, get in at least, you know, in the early 2000s. And I started to probably work a decent Division three schedule probably in the early 2000s, probably. So you talked about that. And obviously this is 20 years ago. What advice would you give to someone who's wants to get into college officiating? What path should they take now? Has it changed from 20 years ago to now? You know, a little bit. I think there's a lot more prevalence of camps now than when I was coming up. Um, you know, I, I 
so I, I still think the camp system is important. I'm a product of it. So I believe in the camps. I, I think, you know, camps are two types. There's the kind that you learn at and the meat market ones. I, you know, I think you have to be careful about the ones that you go to and where you spend your time and money. But, um, you know, I think that uh, they're valuable. I think that's how you get seen. And I think that's how you get on the radar and and, and whatnot. Uh, but that being said, some things haven't changed. And I, I still am a believer in that, you know, you, you need to be one of the best officials at the level you're at before you can move to the next level. And so, you know, speaking from some experience as a coordinator, wearing my coordinator hat now, you know, I, I run camps and, you know, I'll see some officials that I think are, you know, have some potential or, you know, gosh, this guy could be good. But I still want to know whether they've achieved anything at the level they're at, um, because I do believe that, you know, uh, the time that I spent at all of those stops along the way and uh, whatever level that was, they were valuable. And I think, uh, you know, Pete, there are some people who've skipped steps in this business and you hear about them, you know, the, the guys who never worked a high school game and, you know, they moved right to college. But the reason you've heard about them is because that's not the that's not the rule. Right. Like that's the exception. And I think um, so I, I would tell you camps are important, but I also think trying to be the absolute best official at the level you're at. Uh, it's hard. You're hard pressed to say you should work in the WIC, you know, a division premier division three league in the country if you're not one of the best high school officials in the state of Wisconsin, it's not logical. So, you know, um, so kind of, you know, sometimes you got to, you know, hit the brakes a little bit uh, in, 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 in anything and, and realize, Hey, maybe I'm, you know, middle of the road where I'm at right now. And I need to try to figure out how to be better here before I try to try to get there. If that makes sense. Well, even at the highest levels, you have a reputation of being a great play caller, and we know that's something you've had to work at. What can you share kind of with the audience, and how did you develop that reputation and play calling ability? Well, I, that's very nice of you to say. I don't know if uh, fans across the country think that's always the case, um, but, but uh, you know, play calling, I think, is uh, you know a little bit of like the thing we talked about. You have to have a little bit of you know, some kind of instinctual, you know, gut to you. But I also think it's about seeing plays. It's about, you know, constantly uh, watching games, watching other people work, watching your film, uh, you know, and and that takes time, uh, you know, uh, watching games. And, you know, I remember when I was working the Horizon League a lot and I would work, you know, on the the Thursday nights in the horizon league back then the big hitters would come work and, you know, and I would work a lot of the Saturdays cause I was not a big timer. And um, I remember watching those games on Thursday nights and going, okay, what, what do they do differently? Like what is it that they call that I don't or vice versa? I'm calling this, they don't. And I, and I think when, if you do that and you constantly are challenging yourself to like, you know, winnow your, your, your play selection out, you eventually get to a point where you you're able to go, okay, that's marginal, that's illegal. And that's a, that's a tough thing. I mean, um, and, but I think it's, it's certainly a process. And, you know, if I went back and watched film from, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I, I don't think I was as good a play caller in 2008 as I am today. I, I mean, and I don't think that that's because I've become more talented. I think it's just because I've seen more plays and I've known, I've started to, you know, over time been able to go that 
that play, I didn't like that. It looked right in person, but on tape, it didn't look right. And and then you catalog that and you go, okay, when that play happens again, that can't, that can't put a whistle on that play. And I, and I think that's just over time. That's experience. That's the gray hair we talk about, you know, which I hated uh, when I didn't have gray hair. I thought that was a bunch of old referees telling me, trying to keep me from getting their games. But now that I have some gray hair, um, I, I think there's, I think they were telling the truth. Uh, they were right. I mean, it's because I think it's that kind of reps, I guess is, is really what we're talking about. Reps, repetition that, that can, if you do it right, if you use it right and, and are honest with yourself when you watch tape and go, Hey, that was bad. You know, like I can't do that again. Then I think that's how the, you know, all of a sudden you, you, your muscle memory, your mind memory gets better and you go, okay, that's not a foul. I called that last week and that was not a foul. I'm not going to do it again. So I think it's learned. I, I really do. WBOA courtside right now is joined by our special guest, Paul Sells, NCAA men's division one basketball official, telling some great stories about his path to college and to the ultimate, uh, right? The final four, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But one thing that's changed a lot, Paul, since you came into the college game in the early 2000s, is social media and everything is on video now every play and then it's thrown out on social media how has that changed from your perspective now as sometimes maybe you're seeing your plays you know out on the social platforms well i can tell you this um you know i i don't <laughs> i don't have social media um i don't uh, and it's not because i'm anti it or you know something like that i mean i'm sure my wife has you know facebook and i certainly know plenty of my friends that have it because they like to tell me about all the things that they say on there. You know, I think it's, it's, it's something that's destructive for officials uh, in all honesty. I don't see any upside to to social media for referees. Um, Nobody in social media ever gets on Twitter or, or, you know, whatever, and says, boy, what a great night, uh, you know, Lance had at, at, at at his game. And that's never going to happen. The only people that are on there are the trolls who could never do what you do. And, and they, they like to, tell you how bad you are so I don't see much upside to it so I really can honestly say I don't I don't look at it uh I know it's there um you know and I know you know people oh you're getting killed and and whatever so I mean I think the scrutiny is higher than ever I mean when if you know rewind to 2003 and you miss a call at you know Friday night I unless channel 12 will happen to be there I don't know that they would have anyone would know it other than the people that were there and you uh, I just don't think that's the case anymore. And I don't think that's good for us. I don't think it's good for the game. But I, I would encourage officials to just not pay attention to it. And I know that's hard in our day. But, um, you know, we live in a world that uh, no one else probably understands. And I don't care if that's if you're doing Saturday morning grade school games or, you know, Saturday afternoon in the Big Ten. It, no one no one outside our you know, fraternity understands it. And so I wouldn't take criticism from anybody. I wouldn't take advice from and most of those people I would take advice from. So I would tell you, ignore it best you can. Um, but the scrutiny is real. I mean, and it's just kind of what we have to live with now, right? Now, you're you're a few months away of having had the experience to be a part of the Final Four. You know, take a, you, you talked a little bit about starting college basketball in 1999, kind of in that time frame. Talk us through kind of the path from D3 to the Final Four. You've had some time to reflect. What have you learned and what would you share for those that have aspirations, whatever those aspirations may be in officiating? Yeah, uh, I mean, certainly a um, a great way to end the year, uh, n- no doubt. It might be the understatement of the podcast, probably. Um, but 
uh, you know, it's it, it's it's a it was a great it was a great culmination, and um, you know, certainly not the end. Hopefully, uh, you never know. Uh, but you know, to go from 2000, you know, and starting to work Division three games, you know, the one thing I'll say about the path that you ask about, you know, and I think it's important in officiating. Um, you know, it's not this linear progression officiating. It's not. It's it's not, you know, start in 1999 and you work Division three for three years and then you move to this and then you do it. You know, I got hired in the Mid-Continent in 2003 and I got hired in the Horizon League in 2004. And I can tell you that I could probably count on two hands the number of games I worked in those leagues between 2003 and probably 2008. Um, you know, so it was a, you know, well, quick rise to division one, I was hired at 26 and then for four years, five years, I mean, I, I, my schedule was done before Santa came. Right. And, um, you know, so there's a big plateau there. Right. And then I, you know, I kind of get going in the horizon league a little bit more, uh, due to frankly, just some, some luck. I mean, uh, bad luck for some guy, uh, two guys got injured, two guys who were, pretty big officials in the big 10 and that caused a trickle down. And, you know, next thing you know, I was working 10 games in the horizon, 12 games in the right, whatever. And then, you know, that gave me an opportunity to get seen next thing, you know, got hired in the big East and uh, officiating like anything is a little like going to the high school dance. No one will say yes to you. And to one, you know, all of a sudden you've got one person that says yes. And there's five others who now, think you must be this great dancer, right? So, uh, you know, then I get hired in the Big Ten and 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 so on and so forth, not to go through all that. But my point is this, is that I think if you think that in officiating the progress is going to be linear, that from, you know, 2000, 2000 to 2023, it's just this straight 45-degree angle of linear progression, it's just not real. There's so many plateaus in there. And I think that in reality – um, the thing that separates those that that do make it and maybe those that don't is how they handle those plateaus and it you know what you do during that time in the plateau do you get frustrated do you get discouraged or do you try to figure it out and figure out why and how you can get out of it and and if you do then maybe you you find another you know stretch where you you maybe make a little bit of progress but um, certainly the the times in the plateaus are the the challenging ones and I think you find out an awful lot about the official during those plateaus because I've seen it. A lot of guys just get bitter and burnt out and it's not their fault. It's his fault. And he took my games and that coordinator's an idiot and all those things. And rarely does that work. So, I mean, uh, kind of roundabout answer to your question, but I, I think the the journey between 2000 and 2023 is one of fits and starts. Probably if you're, if you're categorizing it, not, rocket ship uh amazing you know progress if that if that's fair to say another very important part of officiating is the family aspect right they have to be very understanding paul and uh i can imagine with all the travel and being gone a lot that is something that uh is not for everybody but it sounds like it's it's worked out well for you and your wife yeah i mean i think i think you hit it on the head i think it's really important i i can't stress it enough i've seen so many uh guys in in and my business who've gotten divorced, who lost everything over officiating. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't get in the middle of whose problems and what, whatnot and, and all that. But what I do know is this, is that, you know, you've, 
you've got to have somebody at, you know, whether that's significant other spouse, whoever that is at home who, who is supportive um, and who understands, uh, you know, that this is, you know, not a rational thing that we do. Okay. Uh, if you sit down and do the, the math on what we do, especially when it's, we're talking about high school basketball or, you know, or, or traveling to division three games, if you are rational and do that or try to show that to someone in a rational way, there's no way around that, right? Like it, it doesn't work. And so they, they have to understand the passion that you have for it. And and, and that's, that's important. I, I'm super fortunate. My wife, Jamie, um, you know, she's been a college athletics administrator for most of her professional life. Um, and, and it, it was lucky for me because when I was doing all the things that didn't make sense and still do things that don't make sense, uh, sometimes, you know, for her, it was sort of second nature, right? Like, well, of course you would drive there and do that game. Someone's got to do the game, the game, the game. Um, so I was lucky that way. And, you know, but one thing I will say that has worked for us is we're a team in it. Um, and I know that's probably cliche and be like, oh yeah, you're a team. Uh, honestly, my wife, uh, you know, we talk about officiating all the time and it's about the business of officiating. It's about the travel. It's about the game. And, you know, my wife watches every game and, uh, you know, afterwards, you know, when I text her, you know, Hey, did you see this play? She's, she's got it taped on her phone. Check it out. Do you think it's a, you know, so she's involved and she lives and dies with it. Um, and, you know, and I think that's probably, something to think about that, you know, you go ref a game and, you know, we live and die with officiating because we're passionate about it, but, you know, they live and die with it too, because they have to, because you live and die with it. And, you know, I think acknowledging that once in a while and, you know, saying, Hey, th thanks for, you know, going on this journey and letting me do this and, uh, you know, throw, you know, it sounds dumb, but, you know, sharing the spoils of it a little bit once in a while, you know, a game check or going on a nice vacation or a nice dinner, whatever, um, you know, just to show your thanks. It's important because I'm telling you, you know, the guys who get beat up, you know, guys and gals who get beat up by their significant other about being gone or, or, or missing this or missing that, they, they don't referee well. You can't because you, you can't be getting ready to walk out in front of 20,000 people who want to kill you and know, that there isn't one person in the world who likes you and she happens to be at home uh, and she she'll text you that you did a great job, whether you stunk or not, you need that because I got news. I've gotten back to the Marriott many a night and I'm like, there's no one in this world who thinks I'm worth anything. And my wife is the best. And so um, I would tell you just tend to tend that, tend that relationship, communicate, communicate, call, let them know when you get somewhere, you know, I, my wife, She's tracking flights. She knows the whole deal, um, but it's a team, you know, so try to incorporate them in that. Cause I think if you share that with them, I think at the end of the day, wherever it takes you or whatever, they'll look back and go, well, that was fun. We had, we had some fun times. We got to do this or we did, we did that together. But if you try to live it on your own without your family, I think in the end, you'll get that wish. You'll, you'll probably be doing it alone. Uh, and I don't want that for sure. I, I don't know how many y'all do, but I don't. Uh, but it's huge. It's huge. You're a lucky guy, Paul, to have a supportive role. So the, the real question, who's the tougher grader? Your supervisor or Jamie? <laughs> Jamie. Jamie's uh Jamie is my wife is brutally honest about play calling, let me tell you. Um, and I think she would probably have a future in observing if she wanted it. She doesn't pull any punches, which 
you know, that <laughs> I get that. She, she knows I'm going to see it probably when I get back, but you know, I'll text her once in a while and be like block charge, you know, three Oh four, any good, bad, bad, not going to like that. Okay. She doesn't sugarcoat it. Huh? <laughs> yeah. I had a game at Georgetown one night and we had this block charge play kind of messed up play, whatever. And so I text her after the game as we're leaving the ring. I said, block charge, you know, 406, question mark. I thought it was okay. You know, the text comes back. I thought it was all right. And I'm like, well, that doesn't seem very committal. It's not really like her. I'm like, okay, like, is it right or wrong? I mean, I think it could go either way. And I'm like, well, that doesn't seem right. And so I get back to it and I watch it and it's dead wrong. I mean, it's not, we didn't get it right at all. And I saw so I call her and I said, Jamie, that, that block charge was terrible. I, how did you think that we could have got it right? And she goes, I got to be honest with you, Paul. The sound of music was on. I was flipping back and forth. I didn't see that play. <laughs> I said, well, I understand. I, I wouldn't have probably been watching that Georgetown game if I wouldn't have been paid for it either. But it's hard to compete with, uh, you know, Julie Andrews and, and Hills. So, <laughs> I, uh, I'm always so now I ask her a lot when I when I say you know something about a play I go you sure that uh, you know sound of music isn't on no not tonight I did see it it was bad okay thanks I'd like to thank Justin Marion along with Paul Sells for joining us today and of course you for tuning in thank you very much and if you want to learn more about the WBOA and how to become a basketball official please go to wisboa.net that's wisboa net for Justin Marion. I'm Lance Lusenegger. Thank you for listening and please join us again next week as we'll have part two with Paul Sells, a division one men's basketball official from the state of Wisconsin. Thanks for listening. This has been WBOA courtside.